listen, uh, I want to say welcome. My name is Jerome. I'm the, the lead pastor here at Radiant. If you are a guest with us, we want to say a special welcome to you. And thank you so much for joining us. On your seat, there's something called a connection card. If you would fill that out and place that in the basket, there will be ushers as we leave today at the doors with a basket. You can drop that in the basket. Just uh, if you'd fill it out, just whatever information you're comfortable sharing, it would give us a chance to reach out and say thanks for being our guest. We'd love to hear how uh, your experience with us went. We'll make sure we that we welcomed you and things like that. So please do that. And if you call Radiant Home, you also have that opportunity to fill that out. Let us know prayer requests or, or ministry opportunities, things like that to communicate with our staff. Tell you what, every, every couple of months or once a couple of times a year, I, I get up here to preach and I'm like, guys, I woke up at three o'clock this morning. Today's one of those mornings. Um, so let's pray that God would speak and that I would still stand at the end of this thing because I'm really tired. That's transparency from your preacher. Father, we thank you. What a privilege we have to be about what it is that you're doing. We rejoice in what you are doing in and through this church. God, I pray that now as we look to your word that, you would, that your spirit would illuminate the truth that you revealed about who you are, what you've done, and what it looks like for us to follow after Christ. Speak to us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is our third week on our series, uh, Through It All. It's the conclusion of our series, which, is, which was designed to lead us up to the Thanksgiving holiday. It's designed to help us reflect and think as we approach this holiday. And 2020 has been quite the year, and so we started this series saying, maybe you don't really feel thankful. Thanksgiving's coming up in a few weeks, and now it's just a few days away. We started this series saying, let's talk about reasons to be thankful, but Let's talk about why it might be difficult for some people to be, diff to be thankful around the Thanksgiving table this year. What has 2020 had? A lot of stuff. Ready? Global pandemic, big headlines, political turmoil, economic uncertainty, and then you sprinkle it in the, the destructive, the weird, the sad. Listen, there has been wildfires, Australia, California, there's been hurricanes, like an above average year. And if that wasn't enough, it's almost like they conspired and said, hey, let's make fire tornadoes. That's like a bad episode of Captain Planet, like Captain Planet gone rogue. Fire tornadoes, are you kidding me? Then there's Carol Baskins, there's murder hornets, there's deaths of celebrities and high profile people. Then there's just destructive, weird and sad things that are taking place. But it hasn't all been bad, right? We've talked about the last couple of weeks, being thankful in all circumstances, being thankful even for the difficult things in life. 2020 has given us a few things. I mean, people are washing their hands. That's good. 2020 uh, has given us something called, I want to say this right, bardcore music. That's a thing. Do you know what that is? It's worth the Google, but I can't keep it in. I'm going to let you know. It is music covers of popular songs done in like medieval instruments and it is awesome don't look it up now but when you go home this afternoon i know you will b-a-r-d-c-o-r-e but perhaps the best part of 2020 as far as i'm concerned are all the funny memes about how 2020 is terrible you know it's a bad year when the best thing about the year is the meme are the memes that tell you the year is bad right and so while we go to our thanksgiving tables as we meet with family if we even get to meet with our family this year we have all these things that are taking place in our world, but what we come to the table with oftentimes is our disappointment, our pain, what this year could have been and should have been. 
How has this year and all that it entails, how has it impacted you? For many, there's, there's issues in terms of relationships. They're strained. They were already strained. Well, the circumstances of this world don't make it any easier. For some, it's the financial outlook of, I don't know how this is affecting me, my retirement, or even my income. And for others, there's certainly mental and emotional distress that we feel as we watch and take it all in. We're not really handling it well. Not we as in this church, but as human beings trying to absorb it all. Do you know, I read a, I read a headline the other day, maybe you heard this. In October, suicide claimed more lives in Japan than 10 months worth of COVID. I mean, we got, pray for Japan. That, that whole culture is shame-based and harikari and all that stuff. But it's affecting them and we're seeing the fruit of it, but it's affecting us just the same. We just don't have that same culture. I don't know if we're handling it well. And we did talk about thanking God and being thankful in the hard things. We, think, we did talk about being thankful for the hard things. And for some of you, you're like, yeah, I see that. It comes from God's word, Jerome. I think it was helpful, but it's really kind of still, that's a really high bar to be thankful. I'm not, I'm not sure I could still get on board with being thankful after those two messages. And, you know, I'm not questioning the truth. It just seems like such a high bar. Well, let me introduce something a little bit easier, maybe a lower fruit to pick. I'm going to introduce, a, a, we're going to talk about something related to thankfulness, but it's not quite thankfulness. That word is contentment. This message is on contentment because I believe those two things are related. See, in thankfulness, we awaken contentment, but in contentment, if you live with contentment, you find yourself becoming more thankful. That's kind of cyclical. Contentment, unlike thankfulness, now listen to the definition of thankfulness, pleased about something good that has happened or something bad that has not happened. doesn't sound like 2020. But contentment is defined as satisfied or being at peace, like a deep peace. This is um, peace when we shouldn't have peace. It's the song we just sang, It Is Well. It Is Well. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. And as you do, let me set this up for you. Paul writes to the church in Philippi. It's a church that he, he started on his second missionary journey. You read about that in Acts chapter 10. He wanted to go one direction. He has this dream. We call it the Macedonian call. He crosses over to, to where Greece is. And Philippi is a town in the northeast part of Greece. And he, he starts a church there. Fun fact for you Bible quiz players, if you play Bible trivia with your family at Thanksgiving or whatever. Um, because Paul's first missionary, or his, his, because Paul first went to Greece and did ministry in Philippi. Philippi is the first European town where the gospel was presented. That might win you a game one day. But the, the letter to the Philippians is, is Paul's most personal letter. Out of all the letters he wrote, this is the most personal. You hear about him talking about himself and their relationship, and it's kind of soaked in that. Uh, he does give instruction. He does do some correction, but there's so much personal connection. Some would say that if Paul played favorites, and no, you know, preachers don't play favorites, but if Paul did, the church in Philippi would have been his favorite so in this very personal letter, we're going to read the text that we're going to be at today. It's Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. And for some of you, you're like, wait a minute, I know this verse. It's very familiar. We're going to read it kind of in context here because maybe it'll surprise you. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 10. I'm sorry. It's Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. 
How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We're going to stop right there. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We know this verse. We memorize this verse as children if you grew up in church. And I always thought I could like, say that like, when, right before a test if I didn't study. <laughs> or if I'm going up to bat and I'm kind of like struggling at the plate, do all things through strength. But there's, there's certainly a context here, and we're going we're gonna to break that down. Let's talk about this very personal letter between Paul and the church in Philippi, and he thanks them to begin with. Verse 10, he expresses his thankfulness for their attitude towards him. He expresses his thankfulness for their relationship. He doesn't say, I'm thankful for the gift. And we know that he gets a gift that was sent to him by Epaphroditus. If you look at verse 18, you'll see that. In verse 16, you'll see that they have a, a relationship where they have continued to support him. So he thanks them for, for that, but not so much for, for the gift itself, but for their relationship and their concern for him. Paul says later on, I recognize you've always been concerned for me, but for some reason you weren't always able to express it. And we don't really know the circumstances of that. Paul doesn't really focus on that. The, the, the point of this thing is the joy that Paul felt with that strengthened relationship between the two of them. And then he moved on to verse 11. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. Paul says, hey, that, that one time that you weren't able to actually help out or provide, whatever, it's okay. I wasn't in need. God took care of me. I was, now, I wasn't in need. I have everything that I needed. Is that because some other church, you know, stepped in and took over where they left off? No. Paul's circumstances didn't change. In fact, what changed was Paul's attitude. What changed was Paul. Look what he says. For I have learned to be content. That word content there is a Greek word. If you want me to pronounce that, I can. No? Okay. That was a Greek word for content right there. Now, the word content shows up in the New Testament a number of times, but this particular Greek word for content only shows up in the New Testament in this instance. And it's important because what he's doing is he's connecting with his audience. I mentioned that, that this town, Philippi, is in Greece which is a Roman colony. So you have Greek culture, you have Roman culture. So he uses a word that they would recognize, where their ears would perk up. It's a word that means, um, well, that Stoic philosophers of the Greek and, and, and Roman uh, religions, you know, that whole culture, they use that to describe self-reliance and fortitude, a calm acceptance of life's pressures. A calm acceptance they're stoic philosophers. Like, we're going you know, to we're we're endure this thing. We're going to muster up the strength and succeed. So he uses that word, but he's about to give that a twist and redefine how that word looks. He's going to talk about how he has deep peace, but it's different than the deep peace that they think that they have based on their approach, the stoic approach. Then move on to verse 12. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. 
I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Paul references his own experience. He's going, to def- he's going to redefine this word for contentment, this word that they knew. But he, re- he references himself. He's been through extremes. He's been well-fed, and he's been hungry. He's had abundance, and, and he's been in poverty. But he has a secret to living with great peace in either extreme. Now, that word secret is interesting because, once again, Paul, in a very similar situation with that word content, uses a word that this audience would know. It's the only time this word secret shows up, this Greek word shows up in all the New Testament to his very Greek-slash-Roman audience. He uses the word. Now, he could have said, for I have learned the pathway to living in every situation. I have learned the method. I have learned the know-how. But he uses the word secret, and he uses a specific word Because this word was used by Roman and Greek religious mystery religions, is what they call it, where they were big on like secret initiation rites, where you come into this thing and the whole goal is to attain some secret knowledge. Well, he's he's about to drop some knowledge on them, and it is a secret, but it's not the secret that, you know, it's not what they're thinking when he says the word secret. So you see what he's doing? He's playing on the language there. What Paul is about to reveal is different than what the Stoic philosophers think, and even our own culture, when it comes to going through difficult circumstances and times. Unlike the contentment of the Stoic philosophers, Paul's contentment is not gained by self-reliance, inner strength, or the calm acceptance of fate. Now you think about that, I think somewhere in our culture, we're kind of taught self-reliance, inner strength, and our calm acceptance of fate. You know, go go online, Google, how do I become content? And you're going to see articles that are about channeling what's inside of you. But that's not what Paul did. That's not what Paul says. Now let's get to verse 13. It's not about not studying for homework. It's not about hitting home runs. It's about contentment. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Or I can do all things, your translation may say, See, Paul's secret of contentment was his dependence on Christ. Paul did not appeal to his inner strength. It was a strength that came with his union with Christ, the life of Christ in him. In John chapter 15, we, we read the very famous passage, and you hear me refer to it quite a bit because it's one of my favorites. The, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Stay connected. What does he say? Abide in me. He doesn't say abide with me. He says abide in me. Which makes sense when you consider Paul later on in Galatians chapter 2 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. See, being a Christian is not just believing in the message about Jesus. It's actually being united with Jesus. It was Paul's union with Christ that enables him to be content no matter the circumstances. You guys know me. I, I'm going to give you like a statement if you walk away with this anything. If you walk away with anything, it'll be this. The strength you need to live in the deep peace of contentment is found in your connection to Christ. 
the strength that you need to live in the deep peace of contentment is found in your connection to Christ. And I don't know about you, but I could use a little more peace. And as a Christian, the source is already there because you are united with him. What's interesting is I use the word connection there because connection is one of those things that, uh, depending on how you view connection, you can, you can see things differently. And I think, it, it, I think it, it will eventually affect how you live out your Christian life. When you see the word connection, what are you thinking? We often use the word because it's, it's normal, relationship with Jesus. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Have you ever said it or heard it or seen the bumper sticker? Relationship's good. I mean, it's, it's good to kind of make it distinct from religion. But relationships vary in intensity. Relationships vary on commitment, do they not? So depending on what someone's thinking, I'm thinking about a neighbor relationship, thinking about a coworker. We end up having coworker relationships or neighbor relationships with Jesus, but that's not what the Bible kind of points to, right? We're talking about united with Christ. It's different. Although it would be kind of weird if we said, you know, Christianity is not religion, it's union. That'll, that'll weird people out. I understand that. So as you present the gospel, go ahead and say relationship, but if for your own benefit, for your own growth, for your own spiritual walk, if you think about it in terms of being united with Christ, it changes that Christ is in you and you are in him. What does the Bible use as the, well, very often the Bible uses an example of marriage. Christ is the groom and we are the bride. And I know if you're a dude in the building or online, the idea of being a bride is not really great. I'm not a fan of it either. But the point that's being made is then two shall become one. That there is a connection that's a union with him. The strength that you need to live in the deep peace of contentment is found in your connection with Christ. And if you are a Christian, you already have that connection because you are in Christ. Now, if that's true, what is it that we ought to do? I'm going to give you just one takeaway, one, one thing today. That's going to sound silly, but embrace your insufficiency. Embrace your weakness. Embrace that you can't do this. You can't, like the Stoic philosophers would have said, muster the inner strength and choose contentment and really consistently choose it. Why? Because we are sinful and we are self-centered and selfish. According to the gospel, according to the song that we sang earlier, we are sinful and self-centered. That's the message of the gospel, right? Before we get to Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, we have to establish that we are woefully sinful. It's because of grace that we're not, you know, on your best day, you're a wretched sinner. But on your worst day, you're deeply loved. But embrace the fact that we are insufficient. You can choose contentment for a time. You can choose it, but it's fleeting. You might be able to say, I'm going I'm to muster my inner strength. I'm going to be content in this circumstance, and I'm going to try really hard to do it. And you might for a moment do it, but then it disappears because circumstances change, and, and our emotions are so tied to our circumstances. If that's the source of your inner strength, or the source of your contentment was your ability to choose it and, and to hold it, then you're going to find yourself frustrated and disappointed because you failed. You're going to find yourself living in shame and guilt. You're going to find yourself having to posture 
Oh yeah, I'm content. When really your heart's aching for something more and different. But you want to keep appearances out. You want, keep, you want to keep appearances up and you want to keep people out from really finding you out. And when you keep people out, you end up this missing out on life-giving relationships. It's a tough way to live the Christian life. I know this because I've lived that way, Christian life. It's a tough way. See, sometimes people talk about the Christian life being difficult. The Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible. You need help. I need help. We need help. See, when you can embrace your insufficiency, then you embrace Christ's sufficiency. When you embrace the idea that you're not strong enough and you need help, then you can surrender your hard work and your toil and rest in him and let him do the work. It is Christ who gives you strength no matter what the circumstances may be. Twenty twenty was a year of joy. So I graduated high school in twenty sixteen from Fort Wayne and decided to attend Purdue. Um, really only because I was a swimmer and Purdue was gonna give me money to swim there. Went to Purdue, swam there for the four years, exhausted my eligibility and decided in the process that I was going to become a teacher. I started dating um, a guy my sophomore year of college and we dated for about three years and I ended up choosing my student teaching placement to come do in the fall of 2020 um, based on the location that he lived and where his family was from. And so I got my student teaching placement at Carmel, was super excited. I was finally going to be around him after he had graduated and we hadn't been together. And this summer during kind of like a slowdown of life as everyone has had, I did a lot of thinking and praying and kind of just realized that the relationship wasn't for me after three years. We ended the relationship, which was super hard, but I was still stuck coming in student teaching in Carmel. So I moved down here kind of just ready to like start like a new, not new life, but just a, a fresh start on people and um, relationships and came down here and really struggled with being alone for a while, but decided that I wasn't gonna pity myself anymore and um, just started putting myself out there in every way, shape, and form. It's been hard. It's been hard to look at every day and know what could have been with the relationship that I was in, but I got to go home in the middle of March and spend five uninterrupted months with my two identical twin brothers who I hadn't been with and lived with in two years because of college. I got to spend so much time with my parents and have a relationship with them that I don't think that I ever would have had. There's a lot of things that I've missed out on and a lot of things that aren't normal, like starting a career in teaching in a normal kind of school year. But I'm here. I, I still get to do it. I still get to wake up every day and choose joy. I still get to wake up every day and like go and impact the lives of young kids. And um, I think it's just been a lot easier for me. I've told people over and over, like I'm focusing on what I do have and what I don't have is, it is what it is. I mean, it sucks. Any relationship ending sucks, like whether it's a friend or a boyfriend or anything. 
And so that's kind of been the hardest thing to just pick myself back up, understand that my worth is not defined on his opinions of me. My worth is defined on God's opinions of me and he loves me. And so why shouldn't I love myself? And I think in the end of just looking at the positives every day has kind of helped me reset my focus, writing down again, like things that went well with my day or things that I would have liked to change and stuff. And just really spending a lot of alone time by myself and just understanding that this is exactly where I need to be. I have found so much love and joy in teaching. And I think a lot of people have always been like, okay, yeah, she's gonna be a teacher, but getting to do it on my own has completely solidified the fact that like, this is my career. And this is what like God put me on this earth to do. Looking back, I can see God through it all. Looking back, I can see God through it all. It's been the theme of this series. Courtney uh, came to this church and began to talk about what God done, has done in her life, and she's talking about all the, the crazy things that this year has been to her. When you see that fleshed out, this, this, like, this contentment, this peace that comes, from her relationship with Christ. These last three weeks, we've shown you three videos and three testimonies, and uh, it's, it's leading up to our Thanksgiving Eve service. So I'd like to invite you, whether you're online or in person, to our Thanksgiving Eve service. You're going to have the rickets from that first video th uh, two weeks ago, uh, last week's video uh, with Phillips and Courtney, as well as Catlin's, who we didn't get to do a video because we didn't have church that one day. But... Um, there's just some testimonies that we, I think will bless us. We'll have some time to maybe to share our own testimonies, but um, I invite you to be here Thanksgiving Eve. That's Wednesday at 7 o'clock for that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. What a privilege we have that you revealed yourself to us, the God of the universe, the, the maker of all things. And it's through your word and through your son that we get a picture of your character and your nature and your love and your provision as we live this life. We look to you with trust. God, we see in, in this passage today that there is strength that we may live with abundance or without. We can live with our stomachs or, or full or empty, not because we're necessarily strong to do it, but because you give us strength. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Lord, we need strength as we walk out of these doors. We need strength as we go to our family gatherings. We need strength as we go to the office. We need strength as we teach our kids at home. We need strength for this time. May there be that deep inner peace of contentment Help us, Lord.
In Jesus' name.